Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast more likely to be fleeced than the Oakland Athletics. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co my co-host, Ben Samorka. Co-headliner? Is that what you're about to say? <laughs> I don't Welcome know to the show. To yeah, no, I like we it. do this every week and I somehow still flub the <laughs> intro. So, uh, And this week we are joined by prospect extraordinaire. But don't make him talk about the kids. We've got Kyle Reese back with us this week. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor as always, guys. Thanks for letting <laughs> me be a part of it again. Absolutely. And this week we are going to be talking about the recent Rule 5 draft some of the moves that have happened across the offseason, and you know this hot stove is still lit. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Uh, Kyle, it's been about, I don't know, three or four months since the last time you were on the show. We had you on right in the middle of the season. I think we were about to have the uh, 2022 draft, which we want to talk about in the in a little bit. Um, but first of all, how you been? How are things going? How are you holding up here now in the darkest days of the off season? I I'm doing okay. I was doing a lot better before I realized that we were in the darkest days of the off season. Now I'm concerned. Now I feel like I should feel it's, a little it's gloomy, a, a little doomy, you know? It's truly the darkest times. Now, I guess really that's January is when we're going to really be in the darkest times. But I just see we're heading into the Christmas holiday, all of the various holidays, and, you know, all the news is going to be shutting down here. So I guess... Yeah, I think- I think, you know, people are really anxious for the Rodon news whenever, whenever, yeah. and wherever he signs. And I'm, to your point, you know, uh, kidding aside about like the darkest point of the season, mm-hmm. you're right. We're going to get into Christmas and New Year's. And then it usually is like that Matt Holiday time, right? The Cardinals waited until the end of January to sign Matt yeah. Holiday. And this is, this is that void usually. So I bring up Rodon because I kind of, I kind of want him to stay available. Because yeah. that might be something that drops at the beginning of January that we all can like, hey, baseball's happening again. Let's talk about that thing. Yeah, it it certainly seems like it's going to happen soon, but only because he's really one of the last big names. And there's a lot of speculation. And and maybe as Cardinal fans, you know, we're really particularly keyed in on this. But um, yeah, Ben, you look you're ready well, to pounce. I just think that that's the craziest thing is that he is, you know, we, we talked about it. There's like, there was the tier of aces and that was DeGrom, Verlander and Ron, uh, Rodon. And it's crazy to me how much movement in like free agent pitching has happened with R- Rodon just kind of sitting out there. Usually I feel like we kind of get this ice cold freeze around this time while they're waiting for the big dog to sign somewhere. And, you know, the, the conversation about setting the market and so on and so forth. But now we have, you know, people like, uh, Oh God! I just forgot the guy uh, who signed that, well, with uh, Philly, <laughs> Taiwan Walker. Taiwan uh, Walker kind of, getting seventy something million dollars over four years in this market makes is, absolutely no sense. So here we that are. Deal is, that deal is only looking worse now as Chris <laughs> Bassett. Like it's it doesn't make any sense. The, the the whole pitching market is crazy. You know, all every contract seems completely independent of the other one. Even the Jose Quintana deal. Uh, you, yeah. you say Taiwan Walker, Jamison Tayon, like. Every there's no like 
this isn't an accurate use of the word, but there's no congruency between it all. You know, yeah. it's like uh, it's like there's there's no correlation. It's like everybody picks a number out of a hat. All right, so we have two hats. In one hat, it's the number of years, and then in the other hat, it's how many yeah. how much money you're gonna get per year. Everybody, close your eyes and put your hand in the hats. You know? Absolutely, I you know I think. Maybe part of it is that like DeGrom and Verlander being the top of the market, they were they're a particularly strange top of the market too, though. You know, in one hand, you've got uh, ancient Verlander, but he's coming off of a Cy Young uh, season, you know, so how do you value that? And then you've got DeGrom, the best pitcher on the planet, but he can't stay healthy. So how do you value that? And so really the like, I think that's, you know, the, the more classical top of the market guy like Rodon has not signed yet. And so all these guys underneath it, we're seeing all sorts of things. And I mean, we make fun of the Taiwan Walker deal, but it really stands out. I mean, he got so much more money than all of these other guys that are in the similar class. I mean, he's a little bit younger than like a Bassett or a, a or a, um, a Quintana or a Tyon, but it's not like his performance has been there, but we, we spent like half of last week making fun of the Taiwan Walker deal. So we don't want to, uh, you know, go too hard on it anymore, but yeah, it's really strange. And and now we're getting these rumors about Rodon and like, Oh, the Cardinals are a major player, which feels surprising in the first place. But then you, you know, there's the, the thing that he is, he wants to go to the Yankees. And is that just a bargain? Of course, I call like, bullshit on that, like from five thousand miles away. I I don't. Yeah, that's Boris. That's Boris and Heyman and their little, you know, what, what yeah. puppet games or whatever they're playing over there. Yeah, because what's the worst thing that could happen? He signs with the Yankees. You know, what's the best thing that could happen? <laughs> the Giants give him an extra ten million dollars. Not the Giants. The Padres give him an extra ten million dollars yeah. a year. You know, like you're right. That's all that is is puppeteering. That's coffee running. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, yeah, it's like, oh man, I would prefer to play for the richest organization that's willing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah Durdoy, I also would like to play for the team that will pay me the most amount of money. Turns out, um, but it is interesting that the Cardinals keep getting named as like a serious contender, and I think we all have uh, like consistent PTSD of being like, you know second or third place in these biddings. But I guess in this case, it's just nice to know that like to me that at least represents that the Cardinals recognize that this is a need to some degree. Um, now I think likely if they don't get Rodon, like I'm not really sold on signing anyone else, but it's nice to know we're at least in the running and it's a possibility. And that when he signs some insane deal with the Padres or the, or the Yankees for like eight years, 250 million or whatever he's going to get, we can all go, well, that was too much money and, you know, and, and feel okay about it. I I'll be fascinated. I, I I'm fascinated by it all. I, I think that, uh, you know, First off, Ken Rosenthal is as reliable of a an insider as you could possibly have, right? Him and Passan are right. really the only two. Uh, Heyman throws out stuff, and sometimes he's right. Morosi, even Bowden, Blind Squirrel catches a nut with Bowden every <laughs> once in a while. Like, I, it's really only Rosenthal and Passan. So there's definitely validity to these rumors, but mm -hmm. you know, and also it's not like Mo to not like Mo will do some misdirection. Like my favorite part about the press conference when they announced Wilson Contreras is he said. Uh, you know, we had a deal done on Tuesday night, and at the same time, he was telling all of the reporters that they weren't there yet, that they were still trying to do everything. But, you know, yeah. we, we knew that there was a contract on Tuesday night. Like, we, we came to find that out. So 
I, I only bring that up because on Sunday he's on KMOX. John Mazalek's on on KMOX with Mike Claiborne on Sports on a Sunday morning, and he he's very quick. And this is when the Rodon rumors started coming out. He's very quick to say. I wouldn't believe the rumors uh, of some of the big name, uh, our connection to some of the big name free agents out there. And it, granted, I'm doing a poor job of paraphrasing what he says or what he said right. rather, but that's what he was saying. Now, again, it could be misdirect, but you know, I get the impression that what's happening here is, and this is me trying to be a forensic scientist, which I am clearly not. I've had one glass of wine. I've had one glass of beer. I've had, uh, a little bit of bourbon, and then whatever this black stuff is that is almost <laughs> certainly from the inside of an engine. And I, uh, I, but it, putting it together, it seems like they're probably in touch with Rodon's people, um, and they're probably aware of what his ask is, and they're probably aware that they're not as appealing to other starting pitchers because of their starting pitcher situation. Uh, same conversations that they had last year. Where it was, right. hey, you know, we're interested in Jose Quintana in the offseason, but we don't, we can't guarantee him a spot in the starting rotation. And then, you know, it's not easy to go to Stephen Matz and say, hey, we're going to sign Carlos Rodon. Would you mind going to the bullpen? Or uh, same thing with Montgomery. Like, there's a lot of moving parts here in order to acquire someone. Cardinal fans don't like to hear it. I don't like to try to explain it or hear it. And uh, I, I think it's just fascinating. And I think it is telling yeah. to your point that. The Cardinals are involved in the pitching market, and it seems like they're more involved in the trade market too, which is fascinating to me. Uh, but um, I don't know if Rodon's the guy, but it's cool that they're involved. Yeah, well, it's the same problem that the Cardinals have had for years, really for as long as I can remember, which is for the most part, like it's hard to go out and buy upgrades unless there are these very specific holes like with Yachty leaving. Um, and so... They kind of have to go huge to upgrade the starting rotation or not at all. So I think that's where, like, kick the tires on Rodon, see what his asking price is, see what the market is. Um, if you can get away with a good deal, go for it. But as we're seeing in this market, seems unlikely that Rodon is going to be get gotten on any sort of thing that would be considered team-friendly. And... Considering the largest contract the Cardinals have ever given out was just given to Wilson Contreras, uh, as far as like just a straight up free agent signing, um, seems unlikely that they're going to shell out the apparently two hundred million dollars that it's going to take to get Rodon. The the fact that a pitcher and there, he's a pitcher, uh, so he's the most fragile being on planet Earth. The fact that a pitcher with his injury history is seemingly guaranteed to get two hundred million dollars. Basically, what like twenty four months from being the most fragile human on Earth? Like he was DFA'd. That, that after speak twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. And then not only that, when he signed that deal with the Giants, I think it was was like two years, forty four million. Yeah. Other teams were like making fun of the Giants or saying like, "How are we supposed to compete in a market where a guy with an injury history is getting forty four million dollars over two years?" And then he immediately flips that in. Like if he gets under 190, I would be surprised at this point, not only because of the quality of pitcher that he is or like, you know, he's not DeGrom, but he's as fragile as DeGrom and he has the strikeout stuff that is a tick down. Like he's got, the, you know, he's 30 years old. I think he's he's got the strikeout percentage. He's got the power fastball. He's going to get two hundred million dollars. That's just how it is yeah. now. Um, he is as fragile as DeGrom, but but. Only kind of because he's had two years in a row or at least last year he was healthy and the year before he was mostly healthy. So like 
you know, it does happen where these guys, you know, in their prime years sort of are capable of kicking that injury prone, um, you know, tag or whatever and put together a string of healthy years, which is why his price is skyrocketing, yeah. skyrocketing like it is. I think like Kyle brought up the idea. I, I think that he's right on. I think that Rodon, well, well, I think the Cardinals should do that because of what the starting rotation looks like in 24 and like every year after that. Um, like I like Libby. I like Graceffo. I like some of these young guys, but it looks really scary with Flaherty and Wayno and Michaelis and everyone else leaving. I think this is where they should put their money. But I think like what's really interesting is what we learned from the Sean Murphy deal that did not happen is who the Cardinals are interested with getting rid of right now. And I wonder if that changes, like obviously not every player package for every player out there is the same, but the fact that they were pushing towards Dylan Carlson, when he seemed to not be available for Juan Soto, like around the last time we talked to Kyle, like a, only a couple of months ago, and they're pushing Gorman and Burleson and Yepes, those two make sense to me. But like, I start to wonder what kind of pitcher can that even get you on the trade market? What is this trade market? What competitive team right now who would be looking for players that are that close to the big leagues, get rid of one of their starting pitchers. Like that's a huge mystery to me. I have, I, I would love <laughs> those Rosenthal and, uh, and, uh, passing people to kind of give us a little more insight. I think somebody threw out, um, Max Fried today. Yeah. which I will tell you that would be the best yeah. Christmas gift I can imagine for the Cardinals. I'm, I am with you. I think, you know, it's funny and it's going to sound so cheap because we're talking about freed. And of course the Cardinals have Flaherty, but one of the names that I've been like mentally kicking around that the Cardinals, like I've been thinking about Lucas Giolito, you know, his health, his yeah. issues aside, but it just seems to me that like if the Cardinals are indeed in the trade market, more than likely they're not I, like I can't imagine them being in the trade market with Atlanta right they, they always seem to have this apprehension unless it's like Malcolm Nunez and Johan Oviedo for Jose Quintana you know Nunez they <laughs> right. knew they weren't going to add to the 40 man that made him a little bit more expendable and they had just had enough of Oviedo like they only ever make moves that they think can hurt them it seems like if it's almost like a necessity and there's redundancies and they have outfield redundancies, of course. Uh, uh, but, like, I just don't see them. And I, I hope I'm wrong because I think Freed's the direction to go in. But uh, uh, I, I would hope that they're a little bit better than that. But I just I don't see them going in the Atlanta route because Atlanta just does Right now they seem like they're at the forefront of all the major league organizations, right? They're signing all their young players. They're locking them up. They're trying to be competitive for 10 years. They're developing well. They're signing well. They're trading well. They're using Oakland as their farm system. Like, they're doing <laughs> yeah. everything appropriately. Um, but I, I, it, it just doesn't seem like a fit to me. So when I've been going around, like, who are some of the other guys out there who are maybe coming off of some injuries or some, some uh, lack of success that just seems like a direction the Cardinals might go in? And I was thinking of Giolito, and I was like, that could be a direction that they might go in. I mean, I don't know what his health is. I'm, this is a half-assed thought. Like, I'm sure he's broke down. That just seems to be his thing. But, um, you know, like, I don't know. I just think they need more pitching, and there's no doubt about it. Like, I know that there's an argument to be made that they need uh, that they need more outfield. They need to have a more secure outfield. I'll take – I'll say they need more pitching based surely on the, what we've learned the last couple of years with them going yes. into the season with – question mark after question mark after question mark in the starting rotation and then all folding apart and then needing to adjust desperately at the break or at the deadline, you know? 
So yeah. uh, that's, that's a little weird rant, and I'm sorry about that because it was incoherent. <laughs> no. but. I, I think you're right on. And I think like I would add a little like uh, adjective, like not only do they need starting pitching, I, I think that they need pitching in general, but I think they need to focus on like I just looked up Giolito's even in kind of a not super great year, but he still would have been an effective pitcher for the Cardinals uh, last year. He had it was nine point nine K per nine like that metric is something I think the Cardinals like. They desperately need. We cannot count on Jack Flair to become like come be the savior of our K per nine. I think if they go get some relievers, which maybe they already have got some relievers that are going to fix their K per nine in the bullpen, that's great too. But I think K per nine in the starting rotation is kind of desperate right now. Um, those games where somebody can just kind of dominate rat and like almost give the defense a day off. And I think Giolito is really interesting. The thing with Giolito, and I'm just going to pick on that because you brought his name up, is the fact that like, or not the fact, it's the lack of a fact. Like what are the White Sox doing? Are they still <laughs> trying? Are they going to win a yeah. division? Did they just like, did their window drive right past them with the Tony LaRusso experiment? I, I don't, I'm... I, I it don't is understand part of the what problem. happened. Are they willing to even move someone like him? Um, well, he had you know, a weird they, year last year. There's been those rumors about them being willing to move Hendricks. So you just, again, they, you just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I've seen the name and this was brought up a lot at the trade deadline. I think this is another interesting one. Um, and the Cardinals have partnered with, or paired with this team uh, through for varying successes. Uh, the Marlins and uh, Pablo Lopez which I think Love would be Pablo Lopez. In, incredible. And the Marlins seem to be a pitching factory. So you'd think that they'd be willing to um, give up someone in order to, to fix that lineup. But they're another team that it's kind of hard to figure out, like, how do they view their window? What are they doing right now? Like they're in one of the most stacked uh, divisions in baseball. They're not close to competing with the Braves and, and the Phillies, you know, so Maybe now's the time to to trade someone like Pablo Lopez, or they maybe they see him as a part of the future. I don't know, but um, yeah, you know, to, that, yeah. I was going to say to what you were talking about a little earlier uh, ago that we kind of got segued from. They seem like the kind of team that might be interested in the same players that have been rumored to to, to be of Oakland Athletic interest in a Sean Murphy trade, but also. Yeah you would think would also be an interested in some of the names that Rosenthal, uh, Mr. Ken Rosenthal has linked that the Cardinals were willing to move in that trade. Like you would think young controllable assets that are still a couple years away from arbitration would be exactly what the Marlins would look for in, in a move like that. You know, uh, it was rumored and not to like hijack the whole thing here, but it, it was rumored of course that Juan Yepes and Alec Burleson, uh, Dylan Carlson were all, names that the Cardinals were willing to 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 move in a trade for Sean Murphy. Again, we don't know if that's true or not. We respect Rosenthal, but like I think all three of those guys would be the type of player that the Marlins would be interested in. You know, left-handed power is not easy to find. And sure, like you don't know exactly what that left-handed power is going to be if Nolan Gorman keeps uh keeps his organization long inability to hit fastballs up in the zone and then have trouble adjusting, start sitting on the fastball up in the zone, and he can't hit breaking pitches low and in because of it. Uh, like, you never know how he's going to adapt to that because he's never really adapted mm -hmm. to it. Like, But that's still a commodity. Uh, controllable left-handed power is a huge commodity. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the Pablo Lopez has injury concerns and longstanding in a longstanding injury history and maybe some questionable medicals that would that would push teams away from trading for him. And maybe that's why he's still on the Marlins instead of being traded at the deadline. But that would probably reduce his price and would make him more in the Cardinals alley would be my guess. He's he's just discount been enough and just <laughs> good enough to make sense. And yeah, I think like, you know, if, uh, just picking a couple of names out of the hat, like Dylan Carlson in center field for the Marlins and Nolan Gorman playing first or second makes so much sense for them. I would be shocked if they would not be uh, would not jump at something that, like that. But then again, like, you know, it comes to the question. I think I'm having a really hard time of trying to find where to value. I think I feel pretty comfortable of Dylan Carlson's value to the rest of the league right now. I don't know if I could really speak confidently about Nolan Gorman, mostly because of this Ken Rosenthal thing. When they say they are, and I think Newbar, you know, everybody's getting really excited about all the stat cast numbers and how red it is and everything like that. And I'm, I'm here for that. That's great. The fact that Brendan Donovan is valued over Nolan Gorman is kind of crazy to me. I, I mean, I love the approach. I think the gold glove was kind of, you know, um, uh, Silly, uh, but he got it and that's good for him. Um, and it helps your, your resume or whatever. Um, but he's like a 25 year old slapper that gets on base. Um, it just, th- that kind of yeah. messed my brain up on where to put Nolan Gorman. Like I said, not, not only in the Cardinals, but like in baseball, or maybe that's just the, uh, the A's in their I, weird yeah. player evaluation that they have I, uh, been going through. It is really hard to understand why someone would turn down, uh, yeah, Carlson or Burleson uh, or Gorman, and because they couldn't get Newtbar or Donovan. But that said, like Donovan and Newtbar have just done it for a full year in the major league. So if you actually were prioritizing like major league level, um, experience and results i mean donovan you know almost a 400 obp in his rookie year plus the versatility like a team like oakland is gonna value that um but this all gets thrown out immediately when you when you take a look at what oakland actually ended up getting for sean murphy which is a a deeply confusing thing at the end of the day (laughs) but if you just compare those pools of players together like i could see why a team would maybe prioritize Newt Barr and Donovan uh, and Graceffo over a bunch of guys who made it to the majors but didn't necessarily perform at the majors like Newt Barr and Donovan did. Um, Kyle, I'm actually interested to hear. So when we, I think Ben and I were both actually kind of surprised that the Cardinals balked at the offer of Newt Barr, Donovan, and Graceffo for Sean Murphy. Like that felt to me actually underwhelming. We were expecting it to be the athletics wanted Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, something like that. Tippity top guys. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, never mind. This is done. And so we see those names. And obviously I just said how, how valuable those two guys were, but like still a little surprised that that was like the Cardinals are walking away from that. So I'm interested to hear from your perspective. Like what was your take on, 
the Cardinals being the ones that turned down the Murphy trade around Newbar, assuming this is true, which is all we can do. We're a dumb little podcast. We have no actual real information, <laughs> right? So we'll go yeah. off of the reports, right? So what was your take on that? Did you think that made sense to turn down or would you have would you have done the deal? Real fast, just about the reporting. I do find it fascinating that now after the A's make the trade and it kind of gets panned, then you get the article in the post, you get Rosenthal who comes out with it. Oh no, it was either Newt Bar and Graceppo or Donovan or Graceppo. That's who they wanted. Right. Like, that to me, that seems like revisionist history. And the fact that we didn't have a report on that for a week after Derek Gould reported that it was Donovan and Newt and Graceppo, I think that tells you like all that you need to know that maybe there's some Oakland Athletics like cleanup happening here, uh, trying to save face a little bit. You know, that's I I, I think that that's what's happening now. Uh, my thought was getting to the Wilson Contreras signing is it's it's a delicate matter is what it is. I still think that they should have. I think that they should have held tight with Sean Murphy. Uh, I know it's tough to do, but I think they should have left the winter meetings uh, without anyone. I think they should have balked at Contreras. I think they should have balked at Murphy. It wasn't like the catchers were flying off of the shelf at that point. It wasn't like Vasquez had yeah. already signed. You know, his contract 330 with the Twins seems a little high to me. But, you know, it wasn't like Vasquez signed. It wasn't like Zunino signed. And Zunino 1-6 would have been a fine fallback if shit would have hit the fan. Pardon my language. Uh, but, like, they they signed Wilson Contreras. They got him on a good contract. You know, the fifth year is whatever because of the DH. So I wasn't upset about it. I do think that it would have benefited them to just hold off. And I do think it serves them better in that circumstance to just eat the capital. And when I say prospect capital, uh, I mean I mean Gorman, I mean Donovan, I mean Yepes, I mean Burleson, the guys who have major league experience, but not really a full, full season, you know, enough, enough major league experience to lose their uh, 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 rookie of the year eligibility, but not really, right. you know, be a, a full-time player just yet. Like, I do think they should have just held off a little bit and watch how the market adjusted. And I felt that way at the time. And I was also like, this gets into the nuance, not just of baseball, but what I think some of the nuance that gets lost in fandom. Like, to me, signing Contreras was a smart move. It was a good move. He said all the right things at the press conference. It honestly was a lot like the Dexter Fowler press conference, all things considered. <laughs> well, um, that, you know, yeah, like, it's a little scary, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, but this is the difference between Contreras and Fowler is Fowler had two good years. And he, they were buying high on him at a time when the market was stupid and people that were of average talent were going for more than they deserve. You know, they got Contreras on a deal relative. Contreras is still, and he has been for a five years now at least, the best off, one of the five best offensive catchers in baseball. Like, there's differences mm. there. But, I, like, everybody got into what he was saying in the press conference. And that's just stuff that people say. Like, that's just what, that's what they say. You know, <laughs> I, like, it's, it was awesome to hear and get excited about. And in the moment, like, you're like, yeah, this is the right guy. And he probably <laughs> is the right guy. I just wish that they 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 wouldn't have gotten so aggressive when it didn't seem like anybody else was being aggressive. You know, like uh, when everybody else was still trying to feel out the market. I am glad that they jumped the market instead of letting the market pass them by, though. So, yeah, um, that like that's my thoughts on that, which real. I'm sorry, just just to lead into like the Sean Murphy of it all is I'm glad that they didn't trade Newt Bar and Donovan Graceffo. For Murphy, I still, but at the same time, like I think that it is kind of an underwhelming ask, relatively speaking, 
to what yeah. I thought it would be. Um, and I just wonder how it would have worked out if they would have waited one week. And yeah, I think I think multiple things can be true. I think it can be true that the Wilson Contreras signing is good and fine. And, you know, he yeah, I mean, he basically like whoever his PR guy is, is like <laughs> needs to be the PR guy for every player in baseball because they handled it perfectly. All those little stories about like when I saw Pujols hit 695, <laughs> that that's good, when yeah. I, I'm like, you know, even if that's fake which it probably is like, it's fine. Like, that's great. Give me the fan service. Mm, I'm going to lap it up. We just had a mediocre catcher for five years because of fan (laughs) service. So like, you know, like, give me that. That's I'm a Cardinal fan. I want that. But like, it can also be true that like, it might've been better to not sign Wilson Contreras to this, you know? So (laughs) my, my, the thing that troubles me, so I, I 100% agree with you, and I think are the Cardinals better because of Wilson Contreras? 100%, inarguable. It was catcher was so bad last year. We need something, and if the production's coming from offense rather than a whole package, I get it. It, it is a smart move, but I do think like I kind of put Sean Murphy. It's like Sean Murphy, Ali Rutschman, JT Real Muto, everybody else. Can you go find a three war or, or really I, he's like a two and a half to maybe three and a half war catcher or, or a position player out there on the market for a decent deal. That is maybe a little more well-rounded. You can't find catchers like guys like Sean Murphy can't be found. They apparently they can be traded for relatively easy with the Braves. Um, but my thought was go after that unicorn. Like he, he could be a fixture in St. Louis. He could be somebody you throw a big extension at. And then you use, you use your prospect lever in that. And then you pull your money lever, your, you know, I don't know, they're 87 million, 87.5 or whatever uh, the spend could be on a Taiwan Walker deal or, uh, you know, whatever else you think the Cardinals no. might need. Um, but you could get a plus catcher and actually Sean Murphy, Alejandro Kirk and, and Jansen all make this team significantly better and you can get them for prospects. And then, like I said, pull that other lever. Um, but I'll kind of go back on that. Like Sean Murphy is, I, I think he's yeah. kind of on a, a bit of a rocket ship as far as his, uh, play and everything. So it's so stupid that the freaking Braves have him now. Like they needed more, uh, cost controlled young players. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, uh, on the Jansen part, I wanted to mention uh, there was another report that I found very, very interesting. And who knows if this is true again, but let's assume for the sake of conversation that it is that the Cardinals offered Ryan Helsley for, uh, Jansen and the Blue Jays turned it down. Any takes on that? Yes. Yeah. Say whatever you want. That's fucking bullshit. Uh, That's, (laughs) that's my thought on that. I hate to be that way. I have two thoughts about Helsley for Jansen. One, if the Cardinals are willing to make that move, they're fucking stupid. And two, uh, it's inaccurate. And that's fucking stupid. Like, I hate to be that way, but like, like to me again, I, I think that this is probably like she, by the way, the, the reporter whose name I will butcher, I believe it's she David or whatever, uh, Davies. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who reported that it was the, 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 the blue Jays turned down the offer Helsley for, for Jansen. I, I believe that what the information that he, that that person is getting is 100% correct. I like that is an honorable reporter that to, that is worth listening to and following. I, I have a tremendous amount of respect. Um, 
I just don't believe that the Blue Jays are telling the truth or wherever they're getting their source of information <laughs> from is telling the truth. And again, just to double down on something, if the Cardinals are willing to make that trade, if they were the ones who went to the Blue Jays and said, hey, we've got Ryan Helsley, let's have that catcher there who's not really particularly good, but he's coming off of a career year, uh, then – and again, I am not one to turn my back on the front office. I understand the situation that they're in, but people need to be fired if that's what they're doing. You know, like it's just <laughs> it's just that simple, like especially with the delicate situation that the Cardinals bullpen is in. Like they shouldn't be moving any of those guys without getting pitching in in return because the starting situation that we talked about is dire to a degree. Uh, which does nothing for hoping that the rule 5 pick out of the Mexican league can be the Luis Garcia of this of this you know, <laughs> next two years or three years yeah. or four years like that's that's where they're at and if they're if they're there making that then they're stupid uh, and I like I mean that that's not just a reactionary move like that isn't a very very dumb thing to do um, and whoever's pushing that lever or pu- you know pushing that button or pulling that lever it, it needs to reevaluate where they're at uh, of course in my mind I've I've rationalized how all of this information kind of got disseminated, what really happened, what didn't happen. Like I've kind of created a scenario that I could see playing out, but yeah, like that's my thoughts. If you want to give Helsley for Kirk, I get it. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily the right thing, but you know, I get it. I would understand it because the years of control and the offensive ability but yeah, that's it. That's where or I'm like at. a Moreno or something. Now, yeah. Moreno yeah. is the name I would have been fine with, but yeah. Kirk, Kirk scares me and Jansen scares me too. Like again, do they make the Cardinals better? Probably. But like, do I want Kirk as my catcher for the next four or five years? I don't know. Right. My, my only, like if we actually assume that everything is true end to end, then my best guess would mean that the Cardinals know something about Helsley and what he was dealing with at the end of last year. Uh, that we don't know yet and that they're trying to sell high on someone that they have deep concerns about the longevity of. And that scares me. So I like to believe your side <laughs> of the story, Kyle, that it, that they're like, it's some gamesmanship coming from the, uh, uh, from the blue Jays. They're, they're trying to establish that like, yeah, we'll trade one of these guys, but uh, we won't take the, one of the best relievers in baseball for them. We need even more than that, right? They're trying to yeah. set w- set a line, which would be my my best guess at why they would create a rumor like that. Yeah, and remember, like it's all about the semantics of it all. The Cardinals could have said, "Look, uh, we'll give you Ryan Helsley. You give us Kevin Biggio and Danny Jansen." And obviously, the Blue Jays would have been like, "No, that's fucking stupid." Uh, and <laughs> All they have to do is say, well, we told them that we wouldn't trade him Danny Jansen for Ryan Helsley. Right. You know? right. Uh, yeah. So it, it's all about semantics and how things are presented. And, and yeah. really, like, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just trying, they're trying to move Jansen. It makes sense for they, their team. They want Moreno to take over catching, and they're trying to get a little more for their dollar on Jansen on the trade market because somebody is going to need a catcher at some point. Um, somebody who's uh, maybe a little more patient than Mosellock has been so far. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, okay. We should, we should start talking. I got a bunch of, uh, I want to talk about the kids. I want to get into that conversation. We have Kyle on, so I want to machine gun some, uh, some children at them. Um, (laughs) 
we don't talk about children, but machine gun them at me away. Yeah, I'm gonna fire up. And actually, so you already said this guy, or you you hint you alluded to this name. Um, and the reason I kind of wanted to talk to you about it is because the minute he got drafted in the Rule Five draft, I'm following you on Twitter, and there is great video after great video. And this is you you said Luis Garcia. He's got like what. I, I, the beard is good. He's a big man. He throws the ball hard. The breaking ball looks solid. What are you thinking about this Wilking Rodriguez uh, side? Is, is it Vilking or Wilking? Do we know that? Yeah. So um, I, I believe I'm almost, I'm pretty sure it's Wilking. Wilking. Okay. okay. What, what are your thoughts on this? I know you've dived into a little bit of video. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this guy was on your radar at all before that. Was he in the Mexican league or the independent league or something? But, uh, what are you know your yeah. your quick kind of thirty thousand foot view of this guy? What are you seeing? You know, I had heard uh, right before the All Star break last year that the Cardinals were aggressive in some of the established markets. So some of like the Caribbean market leagues, you know, the Dominican, Mexican, like they were searching for relief pitching everywhere that they could find it, and they were interested in him then. And there's some Yachty connections there too, and uh, but he. He he signed with the Yankees in July or August. I believe it was August of last year, minor league deal with the Yankees. And before the Cardinals, like he's, he signed the deal with the Yankees instead of signing a deal with the Cardinals, basically. So he's been on the Cardinals radar for some time. He has not been on my radar. When I heard his name, and I don't have the same knowledge of every other minor league system that I used to have. But when uh, when I saw his name, I was like, I don't know this guy at all. Let me see what I can find. And the first clip that I saw was him acting like a maniac after striking somebody out. And I was like, let's fucking party. And, and then you watch and you see that you see right away the 98 mile an hour, 100 mile an hour fastball. And with good arm action, relatively clean, clean arm action for, for what he's dealing with. Uh, and then you saw the cutter and you could tell that the cutter had just enough on it that it was that that it was more than just a pitch to play off of the fastball. Uh, and then I started researching the cutter right away, and I was like, "Oh wait, this is something new for him." Like, mm. it's, oh, it's, okay, it's, it's like a couple years ish new for him. That's kind of put him on everybody's radar. He's always had a big, what I thought was a curveball, but it's really just a, an incredibly lively changeup that gets in about eighty-five, uh, and is it can be devastating. Um, but. At the same time, now, and this is something I, I I very rarely ever talked about. You know, I mentioned it on Twitter at the time. Uh, only my like my my family, like my brothers, know this. And you know, I don't. I've honestly never really talked about it. But you know, over the years of writing about prospects, I've had people in organizations reach out to me. I've had people for Baseball America and Prospects Live and Baseball Prospectus and MLB.com and you know, I, I and other teams and people who write about prospects for other teams and. Like I've had these people reach out to me, uh, first off, completely confused by the chaos that I bring to this world. Uh, and then also <laughs> like, hey, thanks for gifting this. Like, we're able to watch stuff now that we otherwise wouldn't be able to see. You know, how can we help you out or something like that? Like, and it's not the Cardinals. It's it's like I have I have a comfort level with the people who follow the Cardinals and who who write about the Cardinals. Like, I have that comfort level. But it's it's from everywhere else. So almost immediately, as I start as I start tweeting, like, look at this freaking guy, and uh, uh, you know, like, just tweeting. I, I have people from uh, those national outlets reaching out to me, and then I have 
um, uh, a Hispanic gentleman who I talked to about the, the Caribbean leagues who reaches out to me. And then somebody who writes about Yankees prospects who's talking about what he was like in 2019 or uh, what, not 2019, like 2017 or something like that. Cause that was the last time he was in affiliated baseball before 2021 when he signed. And like every, the consensus is that this is a legitimate signing. It's not just like we talk about Luis Garcia. My guess is that that's the role that the Cardinals want him to play. Now his stuff isn't the same as Luis Garcia. So it's not like a, it's not a one for one. Like, you know, the Cardinals understood that Luis Garcia had to throw his two seam more in order to be effective. And that's why he got DFA'd by the Nationals and why he found his way to the Cardinals. The Cardinals found that. Like, uh, uh, Rodriguez is a four-seam cutter changeup pitcher. Has a little bit of work to do, a lot of work to do with the changeup, but he can get away with the fastball cutter. And they're going to rely on him if he makes it through camp. Now, there's no guarantee because, in my mind, the Mexican League is kind of like double A. Uh, I haven't seen enough of it to really say, but it's like polished double A, which isn't triple A. That's a whole different world. You might... You might have like triple A talent, but it's like really polished double A. So there's going to be an adjustment there. But I I really think that like when I think about maybe some of the other right-handers in the organization who might have a chance to break the major league, break spring training with the major league club. Like I think that even if he struggles in spring training, I think the Cardinals owe it to themselves, not only because they selected him and they have to have him on the 26-man roster, but I think they owe it to themselves to see what this beast can bring in season. <laughs> and just, if he gets shelled, then yeah. back to the Yankees he goes for 100K or whatever it is now. Well, yeah. And, you know, if you're comparing the Mexican League to double A and or if it's somewhere in between there, I mean, if you're seeing 44 and two thirds innings, a 201 ERA and almost 15 Ks per nine, like, why not take a chance on him? Why not have him come down to spring? Like, we, I was just complaining about how the Cardinals don't have this guy. And I guess like, you know, to, to separate him from Luis Garcia, I think Luis Garcia like kind of saved that season a little bit, but he also yes. was a, a ground ball guy. He wasn't going for the strikeouts to the degree in which it seems like Wilking is, um, or at least as, as many as almost, like I said, 15 per, yeah, like 15 per nine. So um, super exciting. Yeah, to your, to your point, like one of the prospects in the Cardinals organization that I've been complaining about a little bit about not getting a fair shot really is Freddie Pacheco. You know, Freddie Pacheco struck out in 2021. He struck out like 43% of the batters he finished that he faced. Not bad. He, he finished the year at AAA. And then last year he started the year at AA and he never got a taste of the majors. And I swear that that it would have done the Cardinals so well to have at least gotten a taste of what that would have looked like. Yeah, uh, at least entering 2022. It doesn't mean that he deserved a huge look in September. It doesn't mean that he deserved to be on the playoff roster. Just like, but it just like those guys are rare. Even if they have command issues, which it doesn't seem right. Like Rodriguez has, they owe it to themselves to see what they have out of somebody who's going to strike out 43% or 15 in every nine. Like, yeah, I'm with you, but give it to me. Well, and the Cardinals might benefit from the fact that this was a rule five selection, which does to some degree, um, you know, require you to give a longer look than you might give to other guys or else you have to give them back to the Yankees. Um, so hopefully, you know, we, we, he gets a real shot or at least, you know, assuming he looks good in camp, they, they commit to it and they give him a real shot. Um, I, I, I do think it's an interesting approach. Um, it seems like the Cardinals are throwing a few more darts at uh, high impact relievers than maybe we've seen in the past. Um, Obviously, they need it. So uh, hopefully, you know, this works out. 
Yeah, and the scouting staff deserves a ton of credit for like turning over every stone they can to find it. You know, again, Randy mm-hmm. Flores gets a ton of credit and he deserves every bit of it. But, you know, I'm a uh, I am partial to what happens with that scouting staff because they do. And again, one of the things that we talked about before this was talking about the 2022 draft, like even in the 2022 draft, like they found some arms late in the draft that have a chance to be fast risers. And they did the same thing in 2021 as well with guys who will be knocking on the major league door by the end of 2023. So, you know, between the independent league righty from uh, Logan Sawyer, who made a name through pitching ninja on Twitter and, uh, (laughs) Uh, Guillermo Zuniga, who they added to the 40 man after he became a minor league free agent through the Dodgers organization. Like they have high octane, which they did, didn't yeah. really have other than Helsley and uh, uh, Hicks. And they have strikeout potential in some real wild cards from all over the freaking place. So yeah. hot tip to them as always. Zuniga and Wilking are who I was thinking of when it feels like this is a like a slightly different approach to um, like dart throwing that we've seen from the Cardinals in, in recent years. And, you know, you really only need like one more of these guys to click to pair with Hicks, Helsley, Gallegos, you know, the, the, the core is there. It's just this like edge of the core. And of course, dealing with any sort of potential injuries where everything quickly starts to fall apart, which we've seen. So we just need, something to click outside of the core that we already have. You you just need one of these guys to be good for 60 games or so. Like that's kind of what the Rays do. They find a guy and then he throws for 60 innings and then you never really see Nick Anderson again, you know, or whoever it might be. uh, The Rays just DFA'd uh, JP fire Eisen who just set the MLB record for, uh, it's kind of a fluky record, but it is what it is. He uh, he did not give up a single run in 2022, and it was like 24 and a third innings. Yeah. Um, so he has the record for like most you know uh, most innings in a single season without giving up a a run. And they just DFA'd him. Now I think the expectation is that they're going to trade him. Um, you know. So anyway, point yeah, point being raised find these guys out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, Again, but it's what the Dodgers do. Yeah, they just the Dodgers do this too. I mean, the Dodgers just obviously they have the money to throw it at Craig Kimbrell just to see what happens. And when he fails, they have uh, you know thirty other guys they can throw up there. But um, you know, it, it's it's a more modern approach, which is just throw these high K per nine guys, see who clicks. Uh, any any reliever can be successful in a small sample size, so find what you can use and roll it out for a season, and then rebuild the next season. Yeah, Nate, yeah even have, you could be good for a short amount of time. Oh, sorry, God, no, 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 please. Uh, so no, that like this is this is actually going to play perfectly off of what you're saying. I, I have a whole philosophy that I've kind of started to engineer, and it's you know I think in, I think you get into the off season, and the off season's long, and you start like all right, we need outfield help. We need relief help. We need starting help. We need catcher. Let's go get that now. And the Cardinals are in a unique situation because the central's trash. So they can, they afford themselves a little bit of time to find stuff out. Uh, The the, like philosophy that I've been gathering in my mind is the Cardinals, the only time that they really faltered the last couple of years is because they didn't have the right starting pitching. They didn't have enough starting pitching and they didn't have the right starting pitching. And sure, the bullpen's been an issue. You know, walking the bases loaded in 2021 was historical. Uh, but in my <laughs> mind, I think that yeah. what with, with incredible with the reliever market being as 
volatile as it is with, with just relievers in general, like not having success and it being completely random to me, like in the off season, if you need pitching, if you need starting pitching and relief pitching, go get your starting pitching. And then in the, you know, cause even in the, even in the off season, you're still going to have to pay a ton of money for relief pitching. So why not wait to see how those relief pitchers work out in season. And then at the trade deadline, Go get relief pitching. Find the guys who were hot right then, who has the stuff working then. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that this is how you handle the offseason relief pitching. Bring in the randos. See what you get from that. And then in season, you adjust. And sure, you have to pay more in prospects, but at least it's not cash. Because for a team like the Cardinals, it's not the prospects that hamper them. It's the cash that hampers them. So that's like, I've been I've been thinking about it a lot. And also, you know, we've had a lot of talk lately. The big topic has been, Having two starters, you need two starters to get to have a playoff run. And that's that's true. But the reason the Cardinals lost to the Phillies was A, they weren't hitting, but B, they didn't have somebody other than Hicks and Gallegos and Helsley that they felt comfortable with. If they had Luis Garcia, it wouldn't have been Ryan Helsley in that spot. It would have been Luis Garcia. You know, if if they would have been yeah. willing to go to Flaherty earlier, it would have been him. If they would have gone to Matt's, like even then. And and that situation, oh my God, that situation still drives me a little bit crazy. But yeah, you see, Helsley clearly doesn't have it. He goes through his minimum three, and then who comes in is Andre Pallante, who had a great twenty twenty two, but not the lever I'm pulling. And that's like you got to be kidding me! Like he is, yeah. Uh, he that was such a. I mean, I know everyone listening and and you you two are hurting from that, but what a horrible little situation that wasn't yeah Luis Garcia Wilking Rodriguez uh anyone with big velocity and and stuff that can play in the zone um yeah make those situations easier you, you know what we need is we need uh you know you talk about cash being the problem I say build a witch just open a couple more Arby's okay you got so much Arby's money <laughs> Arby's. You, you've got that uh, roast beef cash that beef money just open a few more Arby's get us a few hero. more high yeah. <laughs> He's got the beef. Let me see the cash. <laughs> I only recently uh, learned that a lot of Bildowitz money comes from Arby's, so I was like, I gotta, I gotta get a hey, Arby's. That's, that shit's re- yeah. recession proof, baby. Everybody mm, wants roast beef all the we time. Got, <laughs> we got the cheddar, the beef and cheddar. Just gotta sell a few more beef and cheddars, and maybe yeah. we can, you know, sign a Carlos Rodon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay let's i want to start I, I said i was going to machine gun some kids at you and i kind of uh i kind of I, you know we knew you were coming on today and i kind of handpicked some kids um and i'm just going to throw them at you and i'm kind of curious yeah, what you did. Did. uh somebody who i'm a little bit excited about um is uh jimmy crooks uh he was the fourth round pick last year big boy he played 23 games 864 ops it looks like he's got a decent arm. It looks like he's got a decent approach. I- I'm kind of curious what your thoughts is. is. This like somebody who is real, or was this just like 23 games and uh, you know fourth round pick catcher, and he's just kind of doing his thing? No, he's real. He's a top 15 prospect in the organization for me, and it's not because of his success. It's just from talking to people from Oklahoma. Uh, you know, the one thing that I'll tell you that I've come to really realize over the last couple of years. If a player at a big college program has a following, like an independent following, then they're probably a pretty good player. And it's not just about their personality. It's about the type of player they are. And I'll tell you, Jimmy Crooks is beloved in a tough market that is Oklahoma. And that's Mm. because he's a great defensive catcher, 
with some interesting offensive profiles. Now, he's too advanced to be at Palm Beach, so you can't buy too much into what's going on at low A offensively. But what I know from his 2022 season before he was drafted is that it just never happened to him all at once. He had a lot of success offensively, but he was struggling defensively. And then when he started putting it together defensively, he was struggling offensively. And he didn't really have like a great all-around showing. Uh, he had some really flashy moments towards the end of the year. Um, I, I'll tell you what I watched out of both Jimmy Crooks and uh, another prospect that uh, uh, that either you're going to machine gun at me or uh, <laughs> yeah. the people in your audience seems to be familiar with, uh, Leonardo Bernal. Uh, the two catchers at Palm Beach at the end of the year that matter uh, is that they are both legitimate, real prospects. That doesn't mean that both will make it to the majors, but I'm going to tell you right now that if you ask me, I would tell you that they are major league talents that just need to unlock a few things here and there. Now, Jimmy Crooks, I'm telling you, like, Jimmy Crooks made me a believer of him. Uh, when the Cardinals drafted him, in my mind, I thought, you know, he's kind of like Jeremy Martinez, which was a USC mm. catcher that the Cardinals drafted in like the fourth or sixth round, maybe seven or eight years ago. And I thought, you know, Jeremy Martinez was a hit first, but with good defensive tools that you might be able to make something out of. Uh, OBP guy. And like, I never bought into Jeremy Martinez. I didn't like Jeremy Martinez. He just he wasn't ever going to be more than just like a double-A catcher with maybe a little bit of triple-A. And the minute I saw Jimmy Crooks, he I was like, no, this this reminds me, of, and this isn't going to make fans happy, but it reminded me of when I saw Andrew Kisner for the first time um, at, at Johnson City. And I was like, oh, no, like there's professional qualities here. It's just a matter of getting it all out. Right. And that's how I feel about Jimmy Crooks. I just think Jimmy Crooks has a higher upside than Kisner had back then. Also, Jimmy Crooks, I mean, S to your name. Yeah. Andrew Kisner, like, I mean, we're st- people are still saying it wrong. I mean, Jimmy <laughs> Jimmy Crooks, like, you know, why why would Kisner, the end, it's in the wrong place from how you say it. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of work to be done on the, his name. The post-dispatch headline about Crooks catching st- people stealing on him. It's, you know, it writes itself. It, it, uh, it's obvious. I mean, what a what a perfect baseball name. And, and I, I, I'm i super excited to see that because, you know, you look at his lines from college and there's, I, I think, kind of what you're saying. There's not too much to be really excited about, but they draft him fairly high, especially for a catcher from a college. And then he hits pro ball and hits over 850 immediately, which I kind of just expect, you know, somebody to hit pro ball right out of co- play. He played a college year last year and to either be exhausted or holy shit. I'm in the, you know, I'm in major league ba- or I'm in professional baseball. This is, this is crazy, but he, he came out storming. So, you know, between him and the fifth rounder, and this isn't just these two, but like the fifth rounder out of West Virginia, the center fielder, Victor Scott, the second, both of those guys are interesting because Great name too. like those guys are almost perfectly engineered for what Russ Steinhorn teaches. You know, that's the Russ Steinhorn, who is the minor league uh, hitting coordinator for the Cardinals, who is, who is always Jeff Alberts. Like what, what I found out in period pieces is a lieutenant, not a lieutenant. Like I've been saying my whole <laughs> life, uh, but you know, uh, Russ Steinhorn uh, was, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think you can say lieutenant if you want to sound cooler than you actually are, but listen, <laughs> <laughs> this is America, all right? It's, we're in the Midwest. We say lieutenant. Thank you very much. Yeah, but both both, both Scott and Crooks, why they are two different hitters with two different approaches, they both have a similar swing and kind of a batter's eye, for lack of a better term, because I'm a 60-year-old coach of a teenagers, apparently. 
Um, <laughs> they both have that type play of the like, game the right way, boy. Yeah, that's right. They play that game. They hustle. I didn't see yeah. them dog it down first on that grounder to the first baseman. They're going to beat that out. But uh, no, like they both are a good base foundation mold for what the Cardinals have already gotten a ton of success out of uh, in the minors, as we talk about Brendan Donovan. And, you know, sure, mm-hmm. Foreman has his issues and Yepes has had some issues, but like Burleson, you know, those guys have been able to get the most out of themselves and because of a they're all hard workers who are dedicated to their craft uh, but also because of the little the little ways that Russ Steinhorn and his guys his people uh the hitting coaches have been able to engineer them uh while they're working on engineering themselves yeah um moving down uh the list the next person I well uh, yeah, I want to talk about Chandler Redmond because I feel like wow. he wasn't really on my radar at all until this year. Kind of had a bit of a power surge. His neck looks like it's 24 ah. inches thick. He's a big <laughs> man. And I, you know, I just love the big boys. Uh, yeah. He's a, uh, he's a you first see a little baseman. bit of yourself. In I, it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> he's a first baseman. He was in AAA all year. He popped 21 home runs. Um, is this kind of like a guy, he's 25 years old, which is obviously the, the, the thing that isn't so great about his prospect status, but is this a guy who's kind of like really finding how to use his power in games a little later? Or is this guy, did he have a springy ball? I don't know. What, what, what are your uh, thoughts on Chandler Redman, which is a so mouthful actually, of a Chan- name? You know, Chandler Redman was a 32nd round pick in 2019 and he was out of Garner Webb. And he was one of those guys who right away I was like, I love this guy. I love him. And he's been on the dirty, the prospect ranking, ever since they drafted him almost. He's been at the back. But, like, he's he's a fascinating study. He, You know, he's one of these guys his age. It sucks that he's as old as he is. And he's probably hurt because of the loss to 2020, the 2020 minor league season. So he's got a lot of things working against him from, like, a time-keeping standpoint, I guess. But he's a lefty whose power alley is left center field and on a line drive and hit incredibly hard a lot. And he was a second baseman slash third baseman slash first baseman, but a lot of (laughs) second baseman at Gardner Webb. And honestly, in the minor leagues, he's when I what I've observed and I don't know if the minor league defensive metrics would say this, but he's best at second base. And for being a big boy, he's like six foot two, uh, you know, uh, two hundred two thirty pounds. Two, his he's listed at two thirty one. So maybe I don't know if this is being kind to him or not, but he looks bigger <laughs> than that in his picture. He's bigger than that. He's yeah. bigger than that. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll say two forty just to uh, yeah. you know, uh, to, to be polite to the Redmond family who I love with all my heart. But uh, like <laughs> no, like he has real power. And in twenty or twenty nineteen. What we were asking is we want to see Chandler Redmond adapt to left-handed hitting because he really struggled against left-handed hitting in the minors, but not in college. So what we saw at the beginning of 2021 uh, was a kid who had kind of reverted back to not hitting lefties. Well, to start 2022, he was hitting lefties, but he wasn't slugging the ball against righties. He was also, you know, getting into the stuff like, his wife was pregnant. It was a tough pregnancy. And, you know, they were working through it. She had the baby and he went nuts. He started, he found his power, went crazy. So, you know, Redmond's interesting to me. I think he's one of these guys that we all kind of undervalue 
because he's a left-handed bat who can do a lot of damage. And my guess, my hope, and you know, the Cardinals have kind of a log jam. I would imagine that there's a real chance that he starts the year back at double A. I would not like that. I would like for him to get a bats over Luke and Baker because he's a left-handed. But I think that from a DH standpoint, if he can find more of that power, which he has, especially because he can go all fields with that power against righties, then you're talking about maybe um, a foil to Moise, what Moises Gomez is against <laughs> lefties. But now with that, like, Moises Gomez hits the ball harder than anyone, and it's wild to watch him hit because he he'll if you throw him four of the same pitches in reverse order, he'll swing and miss him and swing and miss at him in orders you don't understand, and and hit him over the fence in an order you don't understand. Like nothing about him makes sense. Uh, he just swings and sometimes he hits the ball. I, I think Redmond's a little bit more advanced than that, but with similar type power potential, he just. You know, back, I guess this gives me a chance to call it my own hypocrisy. Back in at the end of 2021, I was like, I just want to see him hit against lefties. If he hit against lefties, he has a chance of making it to the majors. And now I'm like, I don't give a shit if this left-handed hitter hits against lefties at all. Let's just watch him pummel righties and see if he can get majors doing that. Yeah. I I mean, I think we saw it to some degree um, last year with how the Cardinals utilized Pujols, which is obviously a, a ceiling that we're not expecting out of anyone, but it showcases the Cardinals willingness to, uh, you know, use that, that, um, matchup data, commit a guy to one half of a platoon that maybe we didn't really see as much with, uh, Schilt and especially with Matheny, we didn't really see that as much. So, um, if you've got a, you know, if we have two sides to a platoon in the DH, I, I think it absolutely can work. I also, you know, you mentioned it briefly, but I think it's always interesting. Like, we tend to try to disregard a lot of the narrative because it's usually overblown and stupid. Um, but I think those things where it's like their real life is a struggle. I think that doesn't get accounted for enough in sports. Like we, we overvalue or over index towards like, this guy just wanted it more than the other guy, which is almost always bullshit. But when you find out someone is like dealing with a real life problem outside of baseball, like that actually matters and probably actually is impacting someone's ability to focus on field because we're all humans and that's how just humanity works. Yeah. And so that is always interesting when you hear about someone struggling during a time when their real life was really a hardship and then those things resolve themselves and they suddenly click. Like that is the type of narrative that I think is actually valuable to include in the evaluation of someone. Um, and hopefully everything is going well for the Redmond family at this point, And he can focus just solely on baseball. Hey, he's hitting dongs now. So it's, it, it seems <laughs> like everything's good now. Yeah. Um, uh, another guy I want to throw at you. I, uh, when I was kind of doing my research before this episode, I kind of got a little prospect crush on this guy, just looking at his line and his production in 2022. Uh, Mike Antico, uh, eighth round pick in 21. He stole 67 bases across two levels this year. He walked 71 times. That might be all he can do. Maybe play a little defense, but I, I'm curious uh, to hear your thoughts on him. He, you know, he's uh, one of these guys I find myself incredibly annoyed by, honestly. Like, no, so it's because, <laughs> it's because when you watch him, you're like, I don't know how this guy's good, but he's good. And he's a legitimate <laughs> prospect. And he's also become a very, um, a prospect with some cachet. Uh, talking to some of the national people, like, 
he's more than just like so I I tend to revert back to like other prospects. And a couple of years back, the Cardinals had a guy named Charlie Tilson. And yes. uh, like on MLB.com, yeah. yeah, Charlie Tilson was like a top 10 prospect for the Cardinals. And I just never bought into it. And then he had he got hurt and then he got traded to uh oh boy. The he got traded to White the White Sox, Sox for Zach, yeah. Zach Duke. Yes. And uh, yeah. and uh you know, never really became anything, had a major league debut. And I think Antico's a little bit like that, but Antico has more pop than Tilson had. And obviously he was a college draft pick and an old college draft pick as opposed to a prep kid like Tilson was. So there's a little bit of difference there. And even though his swing makes no sense to me, uh, he creates power with it. You know, the thing about Mike Antico is you steal 67 bases and you still don't lead the minor leagues just to give people kind of an idea of like the proportion there. But also watching him out in the outfield makes no sense either because you would think somebody as fast as he is with the instincts that he has would would be a better defensive center fielder and he just <laughs> isn't. he just yeah. isn't it's weird yeah. it's it, it's there's he's timid is what it is he's timid against the wall he's timid into the gaps he's i mean he's pretty amazing coming in honestly but there's a timid nature to his game out in the outfield that concerns me that I'm sure he could work through uh, but I'm also fortunate that I watch every minor league game and I I literally watch like Justin Turner run through a wall on August 13th of 2019 and get a concussion, you know, and end his season and then kind of derail his whole right. uh, uh, prospect trajectory. And Connor Capel would do stuff like that. And Scott Hurst does it all the time. And he just like mm-hmm. Dylan Carlson did it like, yeah. So to watch, watch Antico go into the gaps and like be terrified and go against the wall and misplay balls against the wall. It's a concern to me that I think he can get over, but I do think there's more to the bat. And he has become, honestly, like he's become a popular prospect to keep an eye on. Yeah. He, let's see, he had 14 home runs. Like I said, 67 bases and walked like 11% of the time. Um, and, and looks like he struggled a little bit on his leap up to double a, but really not that bad. Yeah. It's it, a guy that wasn't out on my radar at all. Um, and, and then I, I saw those numbers and got excited. Okay. We're running well, a little bit long. So I want to throw, uh, well, Kyle, I guess I want to know who you want to talk about. I, uh, we could talk about Moises Gomez. And my question is, is he actually organizational depth or is he just a lunatic that hits the ball hard? Or should we talk about even Ivan Herrera? Um, and my question there is, is he relevant still? Uh, so I'm curious <laughs> if you have interesting thoughts on one of those and we can, uh, we can move on after that. I, I think I'll answer both because I can get through Gomez pretty quick. I think Gomez is a lot like Jose Adolis Garcia. I think that mm. uh, if everything goes right, then what Jose Adolis Garcia, Adolis Garcia has become for Texas with less defensive prowess because he doesn't have the athleticism that, that Adolis Garcia has. Garcia is a pretty a, good pl- a defensive player. Yeah. He, and he's yeah, become like, quite a valuable piece for, for the Rangers. You know, exactly. Like, I don't think like we knew, we knew, Garcia was going to be because of his arm. His arm was elite, and because he had athleticism and he was built like a brick shit house. <laughs> he, uh, he famously walked from home base to first base on his hands in a <laughs> uh, in a uh, in like a, a showcase. So um, I mean, yeah. I know Ben, you can do that too, but like it's uh, you know it's pretty pretty impressive. But, uh, so I think I think that like ultimately that's his ceiling. Now it's just about how the league adjusts to him because. Some of these guys with big power end up becoming J.D. Martinez because teams 
get a little like, especially because of the random nature. And I'm telling you, it's more random than the stats lead on about his power. I, I watched him swing wildly over a changeup from somebody, the same person, and then also hit that same changeup in that same location for a home run. Like, <laughs> yeah. there, there's such randomness that he's the kind of guy who could end up peaking a little bit more, one of those hard hitters that could peak a little bit more once they make it to the majors. So that's fascinating to me. That becomes the fascinating aspect. I do think that yeah. if everything goes right, you're talking about a Garcia-type offensive production without that defensive prowess. He does have an amazing arm, but it's not the rest of it's kind of clunky. Yeah. Um, Are you anticipating Gomez being a, a factor in 2023 for the Cardinals? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think him and Yepes will go, you know, everything everything's due to change. We're still two of months course. away, three months away. But yeah. I think if as currently constructed right now, he and Yepes will be in a competition for a lot of the pardon me, a lot of those DH and corner outfield, yeah. spare corner outfield at bats. And whoever whoever looks like they can do the most for the, the lineup is going to win that job out of spring training. Um and then, yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to ignore after setting the uh, you know minor league record for home runs, just named today um, co minor league player of the year for the Cardinals alongside Jordan Walker, which is you know we don't need to we all know about Jordan Walker, but it's actually a credit to to Gomez to you know be identified alongside Walker, who just had you know a season that's probably going to propel him to top prospect in baseball status in the next couple months. But um, anyway, so Yvonne Herrera, we've been talking a lot about him on the show. What, where do you see him going into 2023? I mean, last you and I, uh, the, the three of us were together and we spoke about Yvonne. It was it was right around his call up and then his, you know, his send back to triple A. Where, where what have you been hearing about Yvonne? Well, I'll give you my own opinion, not about like what I'm hearing. My, my thought about mm-hmm. Herrera is as long as he's in the organization, he factors into their plans. You yeah. know, if he finds his way out of the organization, then it's a whole different story, obviously. That book is will have written itself. But it's not like we all, and the Cardinals do, and Contreras feels this way, but I don't think we all feel comfortable with one, uh, with the Wilson, uh, Wilson Contreras catching 140 games next year. No. And right. Don't mind Kisner as a backup. I think Kisner is going to be a fine backup, but that makes Kisner expendable. It makes Herrera expendable. It makes the depth expendable. Bernal and Crooks kind of adjust this whole situation as well, as well as you know Aaron Antonini and Nick Raposo and you know some of the other guys, uh, Pedro Pajes at, at AAA. Like I think what ends up happening with Ivan Herrera is because he is still like a potentially elite athletic catcher. Um, with with tons of skill and tons of potential and a, a, a really really high ceiling, is there isn't an urgency to really have uh, what does it mean for Avon Herrera just yet? And yeah. I think that that's good because again, it's a player who missed all of 2020 as a 19 year old, you know, and then was at Double A and held his own as a 20 year old in Double A, held his own as a 21 year old in Triple A. And now that he's going to be 2022, he's going to be 22 in 2023. Like, there isn't an urgency. Catchers Gert. take a Yeah, right? Catchers take the broke longest amount of time. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. You, you're uh, you're stumbling over 22 and 23. Broke my brain a little bit. So um, I, I guess, like, from our perspective, and Ben and I talked about this last week, I think, like, truly what I would love and no disrespect, Kisner has served a purpose, but I would love to see a Contreras Herrera combo in 2023 and just let's find out. 
Let's find out, like, you know, what does Herrera need? Is he the the next step as far as the backup, likely platoon thing that's going to go on with Contreras? You know, like, let's find out. Kisner, we saw enough. I think we know what is there. And frankly, what we know is that he's not a starter, right? And if Contreras is going to play 100 games at catcher, or whatever, you know, maybe more, probably more, but still like the Cardinals need someone who's going to provide a little bit more than what, what Kisner provides. And we need to find out if it's, it's Herrera. And if not, are we waiting for crooks or one of the other guys that you mentioned, or should they go and get, um, you know, we've been talking about like Narvaez or any of these other sort of like veteran, you know, the way the Cardinals used to handle the backup catcher role with that, like, you know, thirty-year-old catcher, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jason Larue, any of these guys that like seemingly are the chillest dudes on the planet because they make like five million dollars a year, mostly just to hang out. You know, which is really what we're all hoping for. I want to remind everyone we have a one point five million dollar uh, tier on our Patreon. If you are out there and you just want to let us coast, you know, <laughs> check it out. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I think like, yeah. So sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, I'll spend the rest of my night thinking about Einer Diaz. Now that made my entire <laughs> evening, probably my week. Um, you know, I hear, I think this is one of those things where we start talking about like plans in the off season. When we know that more than likely Wilson Contreras and Andrew Kisner aren't going to make it through the entire year as the one and two, like there'll be yeah. there'll be injuries, there'll be DL yeah. stint or IL stints. Like he'll get his time at the major league level if he's still in the organization, and like it's all very very fluid. You know, I I just think that when you're talking about a 22 year old who missed an entire year of minor league development. I think that 23, 2023 can be a bit of a wash. I don't think it hurts him to go back to and say that Kisner and Contreras are healthy all next year. I don't think it hurts them or him, the Cardinals or anybody for him to either a put himself in a position where it's like, we can't keep him down anymore. He's just too good. Even if it turns out like a Gorman situation, you know, Gorman put himself in a situation where it was like, he's just too good right now. We have to figure out what he is. And then, you might have to send him back down late later on in the year because he's just overmatched yeah. or whatever the league adjusted to him. Uh, I just don't think that like you have to deal in finites in the offseason with somebody who's a 22-year-old catcher when it takes catchers so much longer to develop and then with the 2020 yeah. of it all. Yeah, I think it's very easy for us as fans to – you know, we look around the league and you look at your Adleys and you look at your Julio Rodriguez's and your Acuna's and all these guys that are like, you know, likely future Hall of Fame level players that seemingly come into the league at, at some degree of eliteness. And we look at our players and go, well, he's 22. Why isn't he ready for that? When in reality, most players don't actually hit big league competency until 25 or 26 at the earliest. And usually it's more like 27, 28, 29, especially in the catcher position. And the Cardinals have made a lot of, have had a lot of success on capitalizing guys, capitalizing on guys who don't hit that success until those late twenties. You know, I, I definitely think of like maybe Redmond is one of those guys who will be seen as old, 
but it doesn't really matter what age you are if you're contributing at the big league level. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that that backup catcher role or, or platoon catcher role or something is going to be one of the bigger storylines that we sort of follow through in, in 2023. Um, I think we could like, there's so many more people that we could keep talking about, but we've been going for over an hour already. So we're going to move into uh, some other stuff that we want to talk about, assuming you still have time for us, Kyle. Um, Let's we, go. We Here, always... real fast. Yep. Oh, no. uh, so I got this Jim Beam advent calendar. <laughs> do you guys want to do it? Do you guys want to do it with me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is exactly what we want to be doing right now. So we, yeah, no, if we're going to keep going, we're going to have to do the advent calendar. So this was yesterday. This was the regular Jim Beam. Uh, and it says on the second day, something with a little extra. And that is Jim Beam Black. And oh I just need to describe yeah. this, describe this for the listener. Kyle has what looks like it's a, it's a present, the shape of a house. <laughs> and when you open it up, there seems to be 12 bottles of Jim Bean. I didn't even know that there were 12 varietals of Jim Bean. Uh, good for you, sir. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I think there's only like four varieties, but they just keep oh, recycling oh, okay, okay. them over and over again. <laughs> they just, yeah. Do okay. You, do you, are you guys, oh, are you guys anxious to find out what the flavors of Jim Beam are? I am, uh, yes. I, I can think of nothing I want to hear more than <laughs> this right now. <laughs> so you have Jim Beam and then Jim Beam Black. And then Jim Beam Apple, and then Jim Beam Honey, and now I feel like <laughs> Bubba Gum Shrimp, and then Jim Beam Peach, and then Jim Beam Vanilla, and then Red Stag by Beam, and mm. then Jim Beam Orange. Okay. Wow. Jim um, Beam Orange about... sounds like an abomination. That that cannot yeah. be good. <laughs> like a third of those sounded horrible. Um, <laughs> but Tis the I... season. <laughs> is the season yeah I, I, I like you know if you just take away all the adjectives all the the qualifiers and you just open it up and go well look like behind this door there's a little more jim beam <laughs> i think you know you're you're in a good spot <laughs> you can find out just how pathetic i am when i phrase it that way <laughs> no it's wonderful <laughs> all right so um we've got some more stuff to talk about of course we do we could go all night but uh we're gonna move forward a little bit but before we do this is the part where we talk about how people can support the different initiatives that we're doing and and um you know kyle i know you, you you're a modest person but you've got your own stuff that you're doing um you know if someone wants to take this show they listen to it and they say how do i dump these two and find more Kyle Reese. Um, you have your own initiatives. Like what would you recommend someone dig into right now? If they want to find more of the work that you're doing. I have a Patreon tier for $1.5 million. Uh, <laughs> hey, get out. That's our, that's our stick. All right. <laughs> no, look, uh, so, you know, uh, we do prospects after dark via the birds on the black Twitter page. Our Twitter. Let me start over because I can't even get that right. Uh, the Birds <laughs> on the Black YouTube page. Um, on Wednesday nights at 7 Central Time. We're going to, like, it was something we used to do all the time. And then I stopped doing it because it takes an incredible amount of energy. And also mm -hmm. I have a real job. So getting hammered on a Wednesday night is not <laughs> ideal. Uh, and it ends up happening where even if I try to, like, proportion out the boobs, I end up getting hammered. 
But what I've done is I've stopped <laughs> using booze and just I drink a couple beers and I'm fine now. So we hey. found the loophole around it. So uh, check out either Twitter Live, my Twitter Live page, uh, my Twitter page, K-Y-L-E-R-416. And then there'll be a live thing at 7. Or go to the Birds on the Black YouTube to their live section. And at 7 o'clock, 7.15 usually on Wednesdays, we're going to try to stay regular with Prospects After Dark. And that is, it's it's the it's chaos is what it is. There's no telling. People ask questions. They're the ones who dictate what what we do, and yeah. um, that's that's we'll talk about anything, anything anybody wants to talk about. We'll talk about uh, as long as it's in a respectful and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, a respectful manner to anybody except me. Like be as disrespectful <laughs> for me as you'd like. Just remember, everybody else is a human. I don't know exactly what I am. So. Uh, I, I birds on the black is premium premium content and i'm I'm really excited that you're doing prospects after dark again and uh i like to think that you know you, and another way of portion control is advent calendars so i'm <laughs> i'm thinking like you need to stock up on these uh jim beam <laughs> i had six advent calendars man yeah, yeah it'll be uh you know middle of june and you're like all right here i am in the day four of uh my 13th advent calendar of the month <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i can't recommend um birds on the black and and the the work kyle's doing um enough obviously one of the best twitter follows and and you're i mean we 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 have you on the show for a reason the depth of knowledge that you bring to it is is incredible makes you know we we try to supplement our 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 lack of really anything by having people <laughs> like you on the show so um but hey, for whatever reason, you 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 do truly enjoy the show and, yeah, and tell them it's too. good, Nate. Jesus Christ, come on now. <laughs> they know what they're getting into. They're an hour and Fair fifteen point. minutes into this at yep. this point. So, um, but you know, we remind everybody that we are on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Talking About Birds. We have a private Discord server. It's fantastic. We've got wonderful people in there uh, connecting over the Cardinals, ignoring all the noise that is other social media. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Talking About Birds. Be a part of it. It's great. Um, and consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Ben, uh, if people want to engage with us online, where else can they find us? Yeah. Well, follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Talking About Birds. Uh, you can email us questions, concerns, thoughts, uh, flirtations to talkaboutbirds <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, we don't get a lot of flirtations, it's, I have to I, say. Honestly, it kind of hurts my feelings. Hit hit on us harder, internet uh, people. Um, and uh, Nate Nate just got a clean bill of uh, health on his cat, so we're uh, taking in cat names, uh, Lady cat, Cardinals cat names. Uh, send them into that email. Um, yeah, that's a that's a you can't just smooth right past that. That's a big update. Though. I've is. been talking about this cat on this podcast for a while, and we we so Kyle we um we have brought in a stray cat. Oh, that's and, awesome. Um, yeah, it's been living with us for about a month now, and we finally got it into uh, the local cat clinic, who were wonderful. And we found out it's a girl, thought it was a boy. Um, yeah. And we'd been um, we'd been soliciting names for the for the cat, and you know it doesn't really matter, you know, gender neutral or whatever. But we're listening, we're we're still listening to names. I will say, wild card. We're also letting my five year old daughter be a part of the naming, wow. so it might be something not at all cardinal. She related, has to submit it, it to the email at least. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's going in front of the bird scored. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, um, but she's totally healthy. She's hiding behind the couch, like four feet to my left right now. Good girl. Um, yeah. So 
What well, about you? Interrupted my plugs, Nate. Uh, we're also on Spotify. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what about Gussie? I know Gussie. Like, could that be? A, a, hmm. Like Gussie like, Bush. Yeah. There you go. Interesting. All right, I'll throw it on the list. Thanks, Nate, Kyle. Hates it, Kyle. Nate hates it. I could tell by his face. He was like, "That's." <laughs> well, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not committing to anything. All right. Ooh, wow. I'm just. We're, We'll put it in front of in front of the committee, which is my five year old daughter and our Discord patrons. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I will say she has a much higher vote than the Discord wow. does, but you know everyone's a part of this. So it's messed up. All right, we've got a few awesome. more things we want to talk about, yeah. um, and then of course we're going to play a game with Kyle before we we break for the evening. So yeah, uh, let, me, let me drill through the league news really quick. There's not too much to talk about, um, so I'm just going to go fast through this. Uh, Xander Bogard somehow signs a 11 year, 280 million dollar contract since last time we talked. Um, I cannot believe this deal. Is the new market inefficiency just extending contracts until you're not working there anymore? <laughs> I, I don't understand the strategy. Um, but I mean, is there a better lineup in baseball right now? It's I mean, it's the top five at the very least. I, I can't think of any any anyone who's competing with that really. My favorite part about this is that um, they asked the GM, you know, like, well, you know, what's with all the money? And they said, well, our owner's a billionaire, so that helps basically. <laughs> and like, you know what? Fucking finally. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You've got billionaire owners spend your money. You know, it's I like it's so funny how much things have switched where like, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s, it was like, man, these stupid teams that are spending all this money like that's like what how bad is it for baseball and now we actually realize what it means to be a billionaire and it's like yes you can afford anything yeah so uh yeah go and get xander bogarts is it a bad deal maybe i mean the aav is i guess okay but the 11 years seems like a lot for a middle infielder you know but he's good but and man. they'll probably you know before 2022 i was like cardinals could probably get him for like I don't know, six years, 150, something like that. And then he just slam dunks well, it all makes over me that. Think, makes me think Dansby's going to get like 10 years, like, you know, 250 million or something like that. You know? Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, it, I, he'll go to the yeah. Cubs and it's, he, they're going to overpay for him. All right. Moving down the list. Uh, also, since last <laughs> yeah. time we talked, uh, Brandon Nimmo, speak of overpays, got eight years, $162 million. Again, being a billionaire must be really, really nice. Um, I think this deal makes less sense to me just because I don't yeah. think Brandon Nemo is going to age very well, um, but he'll keep you know, taking his walks and sprinting to fir first base for the next eight years. So he's got that, but man, eight years, 162 to the Mets, totally nuts to me. Yeah, the Bogarts deal, I think, is better than this one. At least Bogarts has that like ceiling you know like you could argue bogarts might still have some better years than he's ever had yeah. and and like you know he slots into that lineup really well um super surprised at that at this deal nimmo it's not gonna take much for this for him to suddenly become league average i mean he's a good player and I know you were lobbying for a while for the Cardinals to possibly sign Nimmo but we were talking not what, for like, this three, yeah yeah like you know, f like 470, maybe, you know, something in that range. And instead he gets 
eight, a hundred and sixty. I mean, good for him, of course. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, go out, go out, get paid. But um, yeah, yeah, quite the surprise. Uh, yeah, best case scenario with Nemo, he ends up being Michael Brantley over the next eight years. Like that's, that's right. The best like case scenario. I mean, maybe his OBP skills maintain as he ages. You know, he's got a good eye. I don't, I you... just don't buy the power. I don't think the power, like I think he had one year of power and I think it's going to go back down and yeah, we'll see. Um, he's, he's marching towards an overpaid defensive specialist, you know, and like, but he's that's not, not even that great of a defender. No, no, not after like, yeah, it's, right. it's a weird deal. <laughs> Kodai Singa uh, also signs with the Mets because who doesn't sign with the Mets? Five years, $75 million. Actually, probably a good deal. I- I'm excited to see this yeah. guy pitch um, and a deal that's not completely astronomical. So I guess good for the Mets there. Um, moving down the list, we got Shamanai, who I thought would be an interesting Can uh, I answer that uh, one? target for the Cardinals. Um, he and the Giants agreed to two year 25. What, what did you say? <laughs> did I? Uh- did I mispronounce Sorry, I, it? I think I'm on. I think I've got a. I think no, no. I've got a really bad delay. I think something's happening. But oh. I want to. Oh, I yeah. want to say that I am a. I'm a huge Senga. Oh yeah. Fan, and I've been a huge. I've been a huge Senga fan since 2017, and I remember that because uh, every day for months I would tweet at Major League. I would tweet at Major League Baseball and tell them that they needed to allow Luis Roberts free agency. And then every once in a while, I'd say you need to do it with Kode Senga too. And I, I, the contract's tough because they, he gets the opt out after 2023, but everybody's been focused on Quintana and Cardinals missing out on that. I think Senga is the one that they're going to end up missing out on. I, so we, we breeze past it, but um, Kyle, that I actually felt kind of the same. Like I thought of all of this, like soup, of middle contract starting pitching that's happening right now from your Quintanas to your Bassets to your Tyons. I thought Senga is like the one that was most appealing to me. If the Cardinals were going to enter into this sort of mid-tier market of, of pitchers, that Senga was the one that will likely return like the most value from this. But he's also the most unknown and you know the cardinals don't typically go into the unknown unless it's relievers which we have a great relationship (laughs) apparently with with that team or with um you know the the asian groups but um yeah we'll see i mean i think it's a good deal for the mets and worst case scenario it's what is it 15 a year like that means nothing to the mets so like worst case scenario he's well i guess for them worst case scenario is he opts out but like um, you know, if he just ends up being a bullpen arm at 15, like you deal with that, you know, um, yeah, we'll see. will be fine. Um, all right. Yeah. Again, uh, maybe I said this already, Sean Mania giants, two years, $25 million, probably a good deal. We'll see, especially in that ballpark. That's what's, it's so, that's what it's so tie on or, uh, to Walker gets, 76 million. And then this guy gets 25 <laughs> I, and I'm like, I don't. I would rather pay Walker than Manaya, but at that deal, I mean, that's just a good deal, though. Like two years, twenty five for a guy that can throw one hundred and sixty plus innings is, you know, I I would take that. Yeah. Uh, Moving down the line, Chris Bassett, three year with the Blue Jays for sixty three million. 
that's also probably that's again, I think that I, that one shocks me a little bit more. The fact that Walker got paid more than Bassett. I think Bassett's had a little better track record, although maybe a little more health issue. No, they both had health issues. Now that I say that out <laughs> loud. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't get a good deal for the blue Jays. Um, and then the final thing I have here on my list, shout out to TJ house, former blue Jays, re- uh, reliever who came out as gay and he's engaged to be married and we support that shit. So good for you, TJ house. Sorry. You had to wait till you retired, but good for you. Yeah. That guy, yeah. you know, he also, he had a hell of a minor league or a hell of a major league minor league journey and he's a baseball rat too. Awesome. Just an awesome man. Yeah. 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 Hopefully it gets to the point where. They don't have to wait till they get out of the league, but still, you know, um, I know that's a challenging thing in athletics right now. So um, good for him. And I hope him and his partner have a, you know, wonderful life. So, uh, all right. So we are, we're nearing the end of the episode. Um, But Kyle, normally this is just me and Ben and I'm just like grilling him or, or getting him with stupid games, but I've got the both of you. So, uh, we're going to return to a, a game that I, I, um, I'm excited to, to do again. Um, you know, Kyle, I know you are a bit of a, or not even a bit of your, you're a prospect expert. You, you're really keyed in on the minor leagues. You're aware of all the different leagues. And one of the most fun and goofy parts about uh, the non, uh, you know, MLB teams is that they can kind of call themselves whatever they want, right? There's all there's all sorts of silly and goofy team names. Kyle just put his head in his yeah. Hand. This this long uh, meeting, I'm going to kill you, Nate. I know we know exactly <laughs> what you're getting at. Yeah, there's all sorts of goofy and silly names uh-huh. for teams all throughout the minors. Yeah, and so we're playing a little game that I call. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Say it. God, I hate you so much. <laughs> the name of the game is A A A or ah 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 so here's wow (laughs) so here's how the game works i've got a list of team names and some of them are real team names that come from all levels of professional baseball (laughs) (laughs) that includes frontier league you know every every league of professional baseball and then some of the names are names that I made up. Your job. Way. It's, uh, make them up, be proud of it. I don't care. I have no respect. I've lost it. <laughs> I, 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 um, I didn't know I had respect to lose. So I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take. I'll take it that I made it this far. Uh, there you go. So well, I've got a list. I've got of a Jim names, B. So. Madman calendar. I'm not one to be doling <laughs> out respect or receiving it, anyways. So the, we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to say a team name and then you tell me whether it is a real baseball team or it's a name that I made up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um if you get it correct, if you get it correct, you're going to hear this lovely sound. It's like someone hitting a home run and the cheered going sure, the sure. crowd going crazy or if you get it wrong, you're going to hear that. All right. And we're going to go back and forth. Whoever gets the most accurate 
the most correct will win. Uh, so Kyle, you are our guest, so you will go first. Um, so our first name here is the Gastonia Honey Hunters. I hate you. God, I hate you so much. <laughs> is that a real <laughs> team name or is that one that I made up? Is that I don't AAA think Gastonia or... is even a real place. How about that? <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever hunted honey in their lives. <laughs> Gastonia <laughs> Honey Hunters. What's that? You said fake? That wow. is that is a real team name. Gastonia. So the Gastonia. Yep. Uh, all right. Ben. Ugh, what? Real fast. Hunt Honey is like, it's a playground like thing, right? Like it's a, what do they call it? A bumblebee nickname? Because it's, it's like floats around, but it stings. It's like something that a third grader would say. You're, you're <laughs> a honey hunter. <laughs> you know? Sorry, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's not a great name. Like you imagine being like, "Hey, we're gonna go down and see the Honey Hunters tonight." Like, what? What is that even? You'd be yeah. like, "Nah, I'm good." Like <laughs> a serial killer would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to be a part of that. Honey Hunter. All right, Ben. Yeah, the Montgomery Fish. Montgomery. Well, no, I know there's a Montgomery team. I own their shirt. It's the Montgomery Biscuits. I can't imagine Montgomery can support two. Minor league teams. Um, so I'm going to say, ooh, but your stupid face. Okay, how about, uh, I'll say no, it does not exist. All right, there, there is that no smug such... look you had on your face. It had me worried for a second, but that maybe there that's is just no... your face. Well, Montgomery is a, cl- is a, there's a lot more than one Montgomery. All right, so let's, uh, yeah, let's not, for, let's not. So sorry. Y- People of Montgomery across America. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Kyle, the Litchfield Armageddon. <laughs> no, that's that one is false because Litchfield, it's not the Armageddon. It's something else. All right. You got okay. it. Litchfield Armageddon. Armageddon. <laughs> I, I made that one up. What's funny is I didn't know there was a, a legit Richfield team name. So I just made up a, a into in. I made it all up. Wow. And I, so, all right. Um, we are tied <laughs> one to one. Uh, ben. Yeah. The Sacramento Slamming Sammies. Sacramento Slamming Sammies. Hmm. <laughs> So is it named after, is it like a, a funny, cute name for sandwiches? Is it can't be a team named after Sammy Sosa. That would make no sense, especially how he's turned out. Um, <laughs> hmm, I, that man has a skin disease. All right, let's be, does he? <laughs> I think uh, he does. Yeah. He's, he's just seems strange um, and sad. I feel bad for Sammy Sosa. I don't know if I should, maybe he's problematic. Anyways, I'm going to say, no, that's not a real team because it sounds so stupid. Yes. <laughs> All right, you got it. <laughs> I, like Sorry, I really have like to talk to myself. Like, <laughs> Sacramento is like the hub of all of Sammy Sosa's best fans. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's got a condo there. <laughs> all right. Uh, Kyle, Amarillo Sod Poodles. Yeah, that's a real one. 
All right. Yep. Yep. You got that one. All right. We are we are tied two to two. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to go All for right. the legs on this one. Here we go. All right. Ben. Yeah. The Newstead Newts. Damn. I know you like alliteration, but I think that's too good for you to make up. I think the Newts are real. Damn it. Uh, you underestimate me. <laughs> um, yes. I made up the Newstead Newts. All I do right. like a li- I do like alliteration though. Good one. So. All right. Uh Kyle. <laughs> the He's laughing at his uncle's No, no, no. <laughs> I love all these names. Uh, all right. The Akron Rubber Ducks. Yeah, that's a real one. See, Kyle, I knew you were going to be good at this game. All right. That's a real one. Rubber ducks. That who does that strike fear into? I know. What a boring. What a what a. I guess the Savannah Bananas though. There's kind of a shtick around like having yep. like silly names, you know. All right, Kyle, you're winning. Three to two. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you is what he just said. <laughs> All right. Ben, yeah, the Hartford Yard Goats. Come on, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I, I live in Rockies country. Yeah, I know that's real. All right, and uh, on uh, Sundays they are the uh, Hartford Steamed Cheeseburgers, um, <laughs> which is a hat that I should have. I, ha- I should just own that hat. I don't know why I don't already. It's a good hat too. It is. Yeah. All right. It's, it's exactly what you'd think it is. <laughs> Uh, we're back to tied three to three. Um, Kyle, oh, are we though? <laughs> we're we'll all losing. This. <laughs> yeah, there's no win. That's the thing about these games is there's no winner, no matter what happens. All right, Kyle, the Gasconade grenades. Who? No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> You got it, got it. I mean, one. they made the bullets change their name. You can't name a team a grenade. <laughs> All right. Um, Ben. <laughs> yeah, did you forget my this name? Is the, this okay. is the last one. All right. For all the lucky charms. The El Paso, oh my, the El Paso Al Pastors. No, El Paso Al Pastors. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I want. I'm like such a big Al Pastor fan. I want this to be true. And this isn't like a steamed cheeseburger thing. Like it has to be their name, name, right? Their name that's on the building or whatever. It's not like a, this is the name of a professional baseball team. God. Okay, I want this to be true, but I don't think it is. No, you made that up. <laughs> yeah i made it yeah. up. all right <laughs> that was the one i was most proud of though, okay. the El pass the El paso El pastor yeah. so kyle you won by one. Oh, great job uh, kyle because ben you got the one wrong yeah 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 um on the newstead newts so kyle congratulations um what does he the win trophies, <laughs> the trophies in the mail okay um, it's a, uh, it's another Jim Beam advent <laughs> calendar. 
the amount of existential crisis I'm going to undergo the rest of the night as the winner of this is <laughs> I, I can't even like <laughs> I don't yeah I don't know yeah, I don't know if you should feel good about winning frankly but it is it is the reality that you've won this game so thank you for playing AAA or ah 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 congratulations Kyle you are the winner you win nothing but um I hope I hope you all enjoyed this, and um, that's going to do it for this episode of Talking About Birds. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. We re- we truly appreciate your time and, and all of the insight that you brought. Um, hopefully, as we truly enter into the dark days of the offseason, uh, you know, you're able to, to get through it, and um, hopefully we can have you back on the show again sometime soon. Same to you guys. I love it. Uh, even the end there that was miserable. I've enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> Uh, I think that is that should be the tagline of the podcast. Even though it was yeah. really miserable, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yep. thank you so yeah, much for all the time, Kyle. We really appreciate it. Yep, yeah, that's, that's what we're going awesome. for. So um, we'll be back next week, another episode. And until then, go Cardinals and go acquiring more starting pitching. Y'all, bye.